This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne, and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Now, in the past, I've looked at various moments in England's vast history, from their very first game back in 1872 to their disastrous 2016 European Championships campaign. One thing we've never really focused on is the trophies we've won, because to be honest, there's only really the one. Or is there? 1966 will always be remembered for England's finest hour, lifting the Jules Rimet trophy on home soil, seeing an England captain holding high some silverware. It's something we all long to see in our own lifetimes. The World Cup, the European Championships. I'd even take the Nations League. Much like domestic football, whatever league your team plays in, you'll always want to finish top of it and collect its related trophy. Or the FA Cup, the League Cup, as derided as it can be, it's still a trophy for the Cabinet. And as was 1997's Le Tournoir. Whilst Bobby Moore lifted the World Cup in 1966, 31 years later, Alan Shearer was to lift England's first ever trophy on foreign soil. Le Tournoir, I hear you say. What was that? Well, in a nutshell, it was a four-team tournament held in France in 1997 as a warm-up for the following year's World Cup. And more recently, it's been known as FIFA's Confederations Cup, which actually began as a separate tournament, also in 1997, uh, but was held in December in Saudi Arabia and France weren't part of it. Uh, Incidentally, the 2017 Confederations Cup was the last of its kind to be held as FIFA have abolished it in favour of a newer expanded World Club Cup to take its place, which as of 2021 hasn't started yet because of the coronavirus pandemic. Le Tournoi de France, to give it its official name, was held between the third and 11th of June 1997, uh, across four host cities, Nantes, Montpellier, Paris and Lyon, all venues to be used the following year. And there were four participating nations, France, Italy, Brazil and ourselves, England. Each nation would play each other once, round-robin fashion, and the winner would be the nation who finished top of the group, after those three games. Now the tournament started shortly after the end of the 1996-97 season, which ended on the 11th of May, won by Manchester United, and the FA Cup on the 17th of May, as won by Chelsea. Glenn Hoddle had been in charge since the 1st of September 1996, after taking over from Terry Venables. He'd been in charge of eight games up until this point, which had seen England win seven and only lose to Italy at home in a World Cup qualifier. Italy, by chance, 
were England's first opponents in Le Tournoir. But before we take a look at that a bit more in depth, let's take a look at the 22 players he selected to take to France, many of whom he'd be considering 12 months later, should we be successful in qualifying. But both Liverpool's Roy Evans and Alex Ferguson of Manchester United were keen for their players not to be chosen, citing that the season had been a long one and their players needed a rest. Fair comment, considering that on the 31st of May, days before they went to France, England would play away in Poland in a World Cup qualifier. But Hoddle chose a mixture of young and old in his 22, including a few United players. So there were three goalkeepers, David Seaman, Tim Flowers and Nigel Martin. Defenders, well, there was brothers Gary and Phil Neville. Stuart Pearce, Gareth Southgate, Graham Lasseau, Sol Campbell, Martin Keown and John Scales. Midfielders, seven of them. Paul Ince and Paul Gascoigne, who were the only two players playing outside of England. Ince at Inter in Italy and Gaza at Rangers in Scotland. Then there was David Beckham, Rob Lee, David Batty, Lee Clark and Paul Scholes. Forwards, the SAS in the form of Alan Shearer and Teddy Sheringham. And there was Ian Wright and Andy Cole. And as it happened, the following year's squad excluded Stuart Pearce, Phil Neville, John Scales, Lee Clark, Ian Wright, Andy Cole and famously Paul Gascoigne, which I'm sure is an episode in itself one day. And in came Tony Adams, Steve McManaman, Darren Anderton, Paul Merson, Cousins, Les and Rio Ferdinand, and Michael Owen, who was to make a name for himself. As there were only six games in the tournament, each game was played on a separate day. World Cup hosts France against World Cup holders Brazil was the first and neither had to qualify for the following year's major event. And if you were to say Le Tournoi to someone who remembers it, chances are they will immediately recollect this moment more than England winning it. It was the opening goal, a free kick by Brazil's Roberto Carlos, one of Real Madrid's Galacticos at the time. All of 30 yards, Andy. Oh, why not? It's a 30 yard free kick with a 20 yard run up. Dear, dear! I don't believe it! What a goal we have just seen from Roberto Carlos! That is amazing! That is quite incredible. Watch this! Starts way, way, way wide of the goal. That's two, three yards wide and just clips the inside of the post. That is quite a magnificent free kick. I'm not so sure we'll see one better than that for many, many a year. Quite exquisite. It really was an amazing free kick. A ball placed in between the centre circle and the edge of the D. Carlos began his run-up from inside the centre circle. You watch the footage from behind him. You see the ball go out for what you imagine will be a goal kick. What looks like, I don't know, two, three yards wide of the post. Yet it spins back, hits the inside of the post and goes in past a flat-footed Fabian Bartes. It was pretty much referred to as the banana free kick from then on. Apparently, travelled at 85 miles an hour. I remember being a kid at the time, just thinking, wow, look at that. France equalised early in the second half, but the game ended 
one apiece. Now the next day was England's turn. As I mentioned, they faced Italy, having lost 2-0 to them back in February at Wembley. At the venue was a Stade de la Bajour in Nantes, just inland from the west coast of France. England in white shirts, navy shorts and white socks. The shirts, the ones with the red and navy vertical stripes down each side and the central three lions crest. No fancy sleeve patches and no match embroidery. Italy in blue, white and blue. And Paul Ince captained the side for the fourth time ahead of Alan Shearer, who was replaced by Ian Wright up front on his own. And referring back to the Poland game, played a few days previous, Glenn Hoddle rested seven players that started that game. In came Tim Flowers, Martin Keown, Paul Scholes, and as I mentioned, Ian Wright. And in front of 25,000, a lot of empty seats and rain in the air, it was Wright who put England ahead on 26 minutes after being set up by Paul Scholes. The pair then combined again to make it 2-0. This time, Wright to Scholes. Scholes. It's his pass that has Ian Wright moving on to it. England have taken the lead. Scholes straight through the centre. Right on a run. Peruzzi hesitated. Time approaching, the rain falling. It's been a very strange day uh, weather-wise. A lot of this morning. Over the climate, Ian Wright's flourishing and scores. Well, the England bench join in the applause. It's Paul Scholes who buries his first England goal. Wright cut it back. Scholes connected. There's a blur past Peruzzi, and it's Italy nil, England two. So England went top of the group with the first win of the tournament. And they followed it up three days later by beating the hosts France in Montpellier in Stade de la Mosson. Again, it was England in white shirts, navy shorts and white socks against France in blue shirts, white shorts and red socks. Back came David Seaman, Paul Gascoigne, who still looked rusty, uh, and Alan Shearer, who joined right up front. Wright was replaced by Teddy Sheringham on 80 minutes and it was the old SAS combination that done the trick again. Sheringham's cross and it deflected. Oh, and a goal for Alan Shearer. A mistake by Bartes. Shearer on hand and England are in front again. Well, the captain stands tall and proud. Sheringham inevitably, it seems, when the two are in tandem had a part in it. But the goalkeeper spilt it and Shearer scores. So England enhanced their position at the top. Played two, won two, scored three, conceded none, six points. The following day, Italy met Brazil in Lyon and played out an extraordinary game. It was a replay of the World Cup final of 1994, one which Brazil won on penalties. This game was a total contrast to that final in the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, three years previous. Roberto Baggio famously missed the penalty that saw Brazil lift the World Cup that year, and he didn't play for Italy again until after the Tournois. This game, however, was full of goals. Alessandro Del Piero put Italy ahead early. Brazil's Aldair put through his own net to make it two to Italy. Then an Italian own goal 12 minutes later by Attilo Lombardo. 
remember him, uh, brought Brazil back into it, which made it 2-1 at half-time. The second half saw Del Piero score from the spot to surely secure the points for Italy. Not so. Ronaldo, Mark 1, who was to make a bit of a splash the following year, scored to make it 3-2. Then the excellent Romario made it 3-3. A point, no good really for either, as no other team could equal or beat England six points. So it meant that England had won the tournament with a game to spare. And that game came on the 10th of June against the reigning World Cup holders, Brazil. And it was a year to the day ahead of the opening World Cup match. For England, in came Paul Ince, Martin Keown, Teddy Sheringham and Paul Scholes. And despite knowing they couldn't win it, Brazil put a strong side out with some big names. Tafarel in goal, Cafu, Roberto Carlos, Danielson, Dunga, Ronaldo, Romario. England were in their red away shirts against Brazil's famous yellow. And the game was played at the home of Paris Saint-Germain at Parc des Princes. Martin Keown went off after 20 minutes to be replaced by Gary Neville. Brazil, however, were by far the better team. And on 61 minutes, Romario scored the only goal of the game, slotting past David Seaman. Fabian Ronaldo and Leonardo. And Romario, England in trouble and a goal down. Romario playing against England for the first time. Scores against England. The signs were there and this time nothing Seaman could do about it. It's a brilliant goal, Mark. Simple as that. An absolute peach. It's so typically Brazilian. So Alan Shearer picked the trophy up, raised it above his head in the usual fashion and that was about it. No one was really going to get excited about it. The eyes of the world weren't all looking at him. And to be honest, the majority of England knew it wasn't too much to get excited about either. They were really just glorified friendlies. But it would be a confidence booster going into the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Starting in September, and a big game away to Italy in Rome looming. Now speaking of the trophy, this was no Premier League trophy. No sparkling when the light caught it. Not as big as the Champions League. Not as pretty as the FA Cup. Nowhere near as many handles as the League Cup or as ornate as the FIFA World Cup trophy. No, this looked like something you'd pick up in your local trophy shop for your Sunday League winners. This was a black plinth, probably 12 inch square, an inch in height, with Le Tournoi de France 1997 engraved on the side in gold. And on top, a football, a black and white panelled one the sort you'd associate with the 1970s. So if England not used to being presented with trophies, you'd think this would be proudly displayed by the FA on a shelf somewhere. Sadly not, as it appears it's gone missing. According to a report by John Cross of the Mirror, back before the Portugal Nations League finals, it was nowhere to be found. Had someone smuggled it out of the FA? Had it been mistaken for a paperweight? Or that classic line... Had it been lost in the move, seeing as the old Wembley Stadium was knocked down in 2002 and the new stadium as we know it, opening in 2007? Might actually be a feasible excuse. But looking back on the tournament with Sky Sports, some of the players have recently spoken about it. Phil Neville said it was the best tournament he ever went to. Stuart Pearce said the pressure was off. It was a more enjoyable tournament to play in. 
and current England manager Gareth Southgate said, Really good food, nice weather, what's not to like? It's like the perfect stag week. But what was it like to be there? I spoke with England fan Mark Raven, who was. Now, I get the impression that not too many England fans actually travelled to this tournament. So I guess they're all saving up for the following year, 1998 and the France World Cup. But I've managed to track down someone who went. Brighton and England fan, I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Mark Raven. Hello, Mark. Hello. You all right? Yeah, good. Doing good, thanks. The Tournoi. Stretch your mind back to uh, to 1997. I'm right in saying that not so many England fans went. There was a few. The, the thing that made it more difficult was England actually played a qualifier just before it away in Poland. Right. So what a few of us did was we went over to Poland, which was um, anything but friendly, <laughs> <laughs> and then had it back to Paris for their, for their tournament in 97. But no, there was a reasonable turnout, but more later on when the games were um, in, in Paris. Right. OK. Because they didn't start in Paris, did they? No, the first one was I had to... I had to do a check of where they played it so long ago now. But the first one was down in Nantes, which is when we played Italy. Yeah. And uh, what we did was we, we got a train back from um, from Katowice in Poland to Paris, an overnight train, and then got the train down to Nantes. And um, yeah, so the first game was um, was in early June against uh, against Italy. And uh, Italy, I mean, really, you'd, you'd think would be a uh, a stronger outfit. Yeah, the, the tournament makeup was good. From I, I'm not 100 sure of all the times, but it was it, we played Italy and France in the two group games. I think they had a group game, and then obviously we played Brazil in the final. So I think we were the big underdogs at the time. Yeah, was it before the England Italy game? There was the the Brazil France game, which um, had the the famous free kick, didn't it? That's right, indeed. Yeah, I remember watching that, and we were thinking. We might have to play one of these teams, but you know, to see Brazil score a goal like that, amazing. And uh, I was trying to recall the goal that they did score against us, but I think that might have been a free kick as well. But I'll have to, I'll have to check the records on that one. Yeah, I mean the the records that you've got. I mean, let's just refer to your website, which is uh, is it englandbrighton.blogspot.com. That's right. Yeah, I think that's the title. Yeah, you got some great pictures, not just of the the Tournois games, but of loads of. England games that you've been to since and Brighton too a, a hobby of yours yeah it is yeah I, I, I try and do a blog um, after each game one so I can remember where I've been and what we did and um, yeah I just really enjoy doing it I love I love taking pictures and I love sharing it around so it's um yeah it's, it's a little bit of a hobby so it's um and becomes quite addictive once you've done one you want to keep adding on all the games we've been to so as I've been going for quite a long time now so it's um you know, and it was a good rem- reminder of this one of going back uh, twenty four years. I think this one was. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it shocked was... me when I find out how long I've been going, <laughs> uh, and the money you've spent. Uh, I, I don't, I don't add that up. <laughs> no, wise move. I mean, the first picture that I've seen on your uh, on the blog, you're all asleep on the floor. I mean, was it a group of you that went? Yeah, there was five of us that went out together. Yeah, and that first picture is when we just got the overnight train back from. Um, from Katowice into Paris. And I think we, from memory, we arrived into Paris in some, something stupid like five o'clock in the morning. I think we were a little bit worse for wear. And uh, we knew we had a train later on that day back 
down south. So I think we just uh, went to sleep on Paris train station floor. <laughs> and there was there was one further down, and, and he actually says it's so relaxing not having riot police and mad locals chasing you around. I mean, it's obviously something that you've experienced in in your times following England. Yeah, and it was actually in the trip that we'd just come back from. The trip to Katowice for the Poland qualifier was was not very friendly at all, and. Um, it's one of the it's one of the hairiest games I've ever attended because um, England Poland was never particularly friendly away, and um, the riot police like um like their rubber truncheons out there unfortunately, and I think all of us at one stage got a flavour of that. And even after the game um, out there, we were chased back to our hotel by the police, and it was a uh, it, it it was looking back on it, no idea why I used to do those sorts of games, but um yeah, the tournoi was much much more relaxed. Much calmer, yeah. I mean, the the pictures that I've seen you you've put there, as you say, in Nantes, um, the, uh, the was there a big crowd there. It doesn't look the biggest of crowds. No, I think from memory, from the the first game, it was very poor because because uh, France weren't in there, and, and the very very few Italians travelled, so it's really just the England fans and a few locals. Um, so yeah, it was nowhere near sold out, and I know that gave some gave concerns at the times. Obviously, it was just before the World Cup in the year before the World Cup. So it was their test event. And I think they'd been hoping for sellouts and it was anything but a sellout for the first one. Yeah. I mean, was it a bit of a, a strange sort of feeling? Because this is almost like the what, what they did have as the Confederations sort of cup or, or a warm-up tournament for the, for the World Cup. And this was kind of like the first of its type, I think, wasn't it? From memory, it was, yeah. And I think it was, it was quite a surprise. And when it, it was a really strong lineup when they announced the teams involved in it. That's basically why we went. One... I love travelling abroad anyway. Mm. But too, when, when he saw the quality of the teams, involved, oh, like, oh, I've got to do that. But I really can't remember how many England fans travelled, but it, it didn't capture the imagination. I'm not sure why. But I think it was at the time when, you know, it was after, after 1990. And I think there was a little bit of a dip after that. England weren't so brilliant all the time. And I think because of the trouble that unfortunately got associated with following England, you know, it's not like going these days where, anyone can go it, 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 people were put off by the fear of trouble and I think people because it was a tester event for the World Cup I think people were a little bit worried how would the French police be and what would the security be like at grounds etc so it didn't it really didn't capture the imagination to start with yeah so I mean we came away with a 2-0 yes. win feelings must have been good and I'm trying to think of my French geography here Nantes to Montpellier the next game wasn't it I don't know how far yeah, it was. that is I, I very, very sadly, I can't remember either. But I know it, we were sort of heading back up the country, but it was a fair old journey. But um, yeah, Montpellier was fantastic, and it was one of these places that had a big, big square. Oh yeah. And I'll come on to that game in minutes. Obviously, we played the host France, and once again, that was a full house. And all I remember from that game is there's we were crammed into one end, the England supporters, and it had fences up to the roof because it was like we were like on a lower tier with seats above us from memory. It was just a fantastic. It was a fantastic couple of days in Montpellier. It was a really, really friendly, beautiful place. Yeah. Now I'm looking again, looking at your photos. It seems a lot busier there, um, and it's uh, all, all the fountains and and the bars and so this, yeah. this square with a with a lot of supporters all there. It looks like. Yeah, it, it was lovely because the weather was fantastic, and it's that one have a nice cold beer in a nice big square, nice hot weather. 
and and it was really really friendly it was it was you know one of the few occasions in those days where I don't recall any problems and it was just really really good fun and it was one of those great days and especially with the result when we beat big post one nil as well yeah so this was as you say one one nil against France it was a late goal wasn't it Alan Shearer that's right it came right towards the end and I it was in as our end as well because uh I think it was Barthez was in goal for France and obviously at the time France were one of the best sides in the world for us to beat them was uh, was absolutely fantastic and we we certainly celebrated that evening and uh, I think I can't remember there's pictures on the blog site I've got but there was a big group of us that I've known from following England all around the world and we just had one massive party that evening <laughs> this is I mean effectively it was was they're, they're just friendly games weren't they but I mean there was a uh uh, a trophy at stake so yeah let's let's go and enjoy this if pretty much into the uh well we're into the final game that's right yeah we we don't win a lot so it's nice to have a chance of lifting a trophy <laughs> yeah now, further down in the in the blog there's you've got pictures of the the tickets and i was trying to work out how much those tickets were i mean it looked like your your italy one was 110 french francs but the the France one was saying it looks like fifty, and then uh, I think the Brazil one. I think that one's just just slightly cut off at the bottom. But yeah, it seems a uh, a big difference in the price you paid for those. Yeah, if I it's going back, say, long time to remember, but I remember there's quite a lot of controversy about the pricing, and okay. there was very limited choice when you because you had to go in. Obviously, the the England section. Yeah. From memory, I think it was the first game. There are very very few cheap tickets around. And then for the France game, the view was terrible, but we were putting the, <laughs> the section behind the goal. But it was pretty, you know, much, much cheaper than the first game. Yeah. And for the final, I honestly can't remember. It was at the Parc de France. That's the only time I've been there. And um, I, once again, I don't think it was that expensive. How did you come about tickets back then? Because was there a, um, a supporters club to, to be part of to get the tickets then? Or did you have to get it whilst you're out there? No, we were part of the, it was the called it was the England Travel Club, I think it was called then, or the England Members Club. Um, yeah. So yeah, you had to be a member to get official tickets. It's, it's very similar to today, um, but with a lot, the membership was fairly poor at the time. I think they introduced it from memory was in about nineteen the World Cup in nineteen ninety, right? Because we went without tickets in nineteen ninety, but very unusually, we signed up to become a member before the first game in Italy, and then became members ever since. So. So it was given as a priority. If you're in the membership club, then you could apply for tickets. Yeah. These were the days when they'd send you out the tickets rather than having to queue up and wait for them. Yeah, you had you, you used to get a paper form that you used to fill in and you had to send them all in together if you wanted to sit together. So you posted them and then you didn't know if you're going to get a ticket, unlike now where it's all done online. And as you say, they posted them. There was none of this uh, collection that you have to do these days because you never had to prove that you travelled previously, but then they... Yeah completely change the regulations like they do now you have to pick up i can't remember when we when we last got a ticket sent in the post i really can't remember it's all collection now that's right on to paris and you say they at the parc de france uh and england were basically in a final for the first time since well 1966 weren't they that's it yeah and i remember we had great problems getting to the ground because our um our metro train broke down on the way to the stadium and um we used to leave it quite late, so we used to get there just before kickoff. <laughs> and all I remember is the gr- the train ground to a halt, and uh, eventually they got us to a station, let us out, and we were about four metro stops away from the ground. But our train was blocking our line to the stadium, 
we literally had to jog to the ground. So we actually got into the stadium a little bit late. We missed about the first 10 minutes. And that's my main memory of the game, thinking England are finally in a final <laughs> and we're currently not there. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, it was, it was fun and games getting to the stadiums. We didn't really know where it was either. <laughs> right. I mean, it's one of those grounds that I'm yet to have, have been to, but it's a kind of a... I get the impression it's just one big concrete bowl, the Parc de France. Yeah, it was... It was I can't remember when it was built, but it was like Wembley. It was well past its best. It was just mm. a big bowl, really. Um, but it's really impressive when you come up to it. You know, it's one of those fantastic stadiums, not not as good as Wembley. But it was all I remember is you could gradually see it coming in the distance and it looked absolutely massive. Wow. So you so saw like it there. That. You started jogging towards it then, thinking, right, I've well, got to get in. We did. We did. And and once again, because it was England-Brazil, there was still a reasonable crowd for that one because obviously it was a final. Um, and all I also remember is that we were on the the upper tier as well. So even once we got in the ground, it took us ages to actually get up to our seats. We finished top of the group. One, yeah. what was it? One two, and lost this one game to Brazil. Romario scored the the winning goal there. But what what was the feeling like when when the final whistle went and but England had won a trophy? Yeah, you know, I think at the time because we had players like Beckham and that, and those coming through. I thought that I would actually see England win a few tournaments in my time of following England. I started with a semi-final in 1990 and then it's gone rapidly downhill since then. So it's actually nice to get some recognition and actually to achieve something in the tournoi. Did the the players come round with that trophy? I say they trophy. Did, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they did. Yeah, because as usual with England fans and it was a um, final game and in Paris, there was England fans all around the ground. But yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nice when they recognise the supporters and the travelling that we do do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, and, and after that, back into Paris for a uh, another evening of, of celebration? Yes, yeah, I think that was our finale because we actually went home pretty quickly after that tournament because we'd been out for quite a long time so we'd been in Poland as well. So I, I do remember having quite a late night and quite an early train back. But um, yeah, we, we made the most of it because uh, Paris is a... You have to be careful in Paris as well because some of the bars are very, very expensive. Mm. so uh but we tended to we were drinking around by the train station but yeah we, we had a good evening and once again it was a really friendly you know there was, there was a lot of people most of the french were sporting brazil unexpectedly right. but it was a really good atmosphere afterwards and we didn't mind losing to brazil and did you then follow out england the next year in back to back to france in 98 yeah i did yeah yeah we uh we went on um i went on a coach and organized um it's a company called northern holidays who used to do they used to provide coaches to everywhere. They used to travel all around the world. But um, I didn't do that many with them because I must admit, sitting on a coach for hour after hour isn't my favourite um, thing to do. But we did actually do the whole of the France tournament with with um, Northern Holidays and uh, met some absolutely fantastic people out there. People I still go to England games with now, some lads from Rochdale, Hull. There was mainly Northern clubs. Well, the company was called Northern Holidays. So I think they were based in Hull. But yeah, we had a brilliant time out in the World Cup. And obviously... The famous Michael Owen goal against Argentina, but not quite enough. No, no trophy that year. But, well, you never know this year. Maybe we can uh, emulate that trophy win and uh, the European Championships this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, I think it's a really strange tournament. Not having a, a host country is really, really strange. And um, obviously England have got the advantage of the group games are at Wembley. And hopefully if we get through, we return to Wembley's for the for the final two games, COVID permitting. Yeah. You know, we've got some good youngsters that play for the team now. And I think there is a bit of passion from the players. And, you know, I, I think we 
it's the same as everything. If we can click, we've got as good a chance as anyone, and especially with the home advantage. Yeah, let's hope so. Mark Raven, thank you very much for your time. And yeah, and just tickling our memory banks with the uh, with the Tornar tournament there. Thank you. No, it's, it's great to, to reminisce about, about the many years ago and the great fun of following England away. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks to Mark there. As we mentioned, he has a great website with photos of many of his England trips. It is well worth a look. Thank you for listening. I hope it's brought back some memories of the summer of 1997. Sure, it wasn't the sparkling Jules Rimet trophy, but it was silverware all the same. Something we all long to see this summer of 2021 and in the years ahead. My name is Russell Osborne and this has been the Three Lions podcast, an independent England supporters podcast. And I hope you can join me for more in the run up to this year's tournament. Or you can tune into the previous ones at threelionspodcast.com or your chosen podcast provider. If you're on social media, you can find the show on the likes of Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. And as always, thank you for the support that you give to the podcast. Until the next time, take care, stay safe, stay positive. Cheers. <laughs>